Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Hey, uh, you know how what might be a sign that you're wearing your headphones too long? Indentations in your head. Indentations in your head. Saw a news report that talked about uh, a gamer, actually several gamers. So if your kids play games, I'm not telling you not to tell them not to play games, but the gamer shaved his head as part of some kind of promotional thing. And lo and behold, there was a dent in his head that wasn't there before, right where the headphones strapped up. Crazy. And that apparently is a thing. Like that happens to people because they wear their headphones so much. Yeah. I always watch the headphone reviews because I'm a, a total nerd. Um, and and uh, they always talk about the weight of the headphones, right? Mm-hmm. And like the Apple AirPod Max or some of the heavier ones out there and yeah. stuff. The, did you see the Dyson ones, the Dyson released ones <laughs> that had a like a mask on the front of it too? Yeah. Marquez Brownlee did that on yeah. his YouTube channel. Yeah. Those are even heavier than the Apple, but a dent in your head. Well, it makes sense if you wear things enough. It cre- I mean, even I got, I got a, a tan on my arm from my, my watch. Right. I can imagine there's something similar in terms of the headphones. But it didn't dent your arm. But it, well, I, I, it kind of does actually. I you guess the there's patients. a little dip. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't I don't know, man. That's weird. That I just don't want to wear headphones ever again because I don't want that dent. I'm terrified of the hunch, like the social media hunch, like the, oh, the shoulders yeah. that, that come over too and much. The, the hump in your back too. Yeah. That's crazy. That is crazy. That's crazy. Are you on threads, by the way? Speaking of social media? Nope. No? Have nope. you any desire to check it out? I'm loyal to Elon. Really? <laughs> but it's so different. Like I, I, I jumped on yesterday. I'm on threads, by the way. You can follow me at Pastor PJB. Wow. <laughs> Underscore. Um, but uh, it's like it's just describe. it's weird, man. It's all about interacting with it. The whole thing is about you interact with other people's posts. I don't like interacting with people, so. Well, there you go. Then don't. I'm gonna be on Twitter. Then don't. I <laughs> my win was I got the Dallas Stars to like one of my comments wow, on threads. Wow, yeah. that's awesome, man. I know, Who right? Big time. They're uh, just a minor hockey team in Dallas that oh, won cool. the Stanley Cup once in oh. in, uh, in 1999. A minor hockey league? Go Stars. And they can win Stanley like Cups? A sm- no, just a small. Minor is in small. It's a poor choice of words. Oh, okay. It was meant to be sarcastic. I'm not a, a sports yeah. guy, for those of you who are wondering. Yeah. Hey, you know who else shaved his head? Um, Ooh, Job. Good. Job. Job did. That. And that's what we're here to talk about, actually. Right. is not indentation or social media or anything else like that. Or hockey. Or hockey. Um, unless it comes up, but it's not going to. Hey, Job, uh, chapter 37 and 38, and uh, then Acts chapter 15, the first part of it, at least. A lot in content today, uh, but Job chapter 37, or not chapter 37 and 38, chapter 38 and 39. There we are. Mm-hmm. Um, this has always been my favorite part of Job, just because it's it's just awe-inspiring, but I got to feel like, like Job just, just left there, just obliterated after this. Like my kids play with the the leaf blower in our backyard sometimes and they love to just put it on turbo mode and just point it at each other. Yep. And afterwards you're just left like hairs blown back. You're just like a, a shell of, of who you used to be. Right. right. And, and I got to feel like that's Job right now as he just takes body blow after body blow after body blow from the creator of the universe saying as he opens this in verse two, who is this that darkens counsel with words without knowledge? Um, to darken counsel, right? Uh, to to bring uh, confusion, shadiness, confusion, Unclarity. Yeah. yeah, to uh, to the counsel of uh, or the wisdom of the the world. There, uh, Luther said of this chapter, he summarized it this way: "Let God be God." Let God be God. Sounds like what we've been saying. So I think Luther needs to give us attribution. He should. We'll talk to him when we get there. Okay. 
But uh, dress for action like a man. That was God telling Job, get ready for battle. Gird your loins, buddy. That would have been horribly frightening for, for God all of a sudden to say, okay, dress for battle. Yeah. You and me. Mano e de- Deo. Mano de- e yeah, God. Deo, yeah. Yeah. Day. yeah. And, and then he just goes all through creation, earth, sea, sun, the depths of the sea, death, um, and, and, and the whole thing he's, he's building on, and, and here's a, a concept for you, the a fortiori argument, which means the argument from lesser to greater. So he's saying, if you can't explain these things, who are you to try to understand me? Who, who are you to try to explain me? Can you say that word again? A, f- a fortiori. Fortiori. Yeah. F-O-R-T-I-O-R-I. I've heard the a, pre- a priori. Yeah. This, we're doing Latin lessons now. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So it's the argument from lesser to the greater. If you can't uh, understand the lesser, how are you going to understand the greater? And that's what, what God is, is trying to communicate here to Job. If Job could not know the simpler matters of God's creation. Now, simpler matters of God's creation. We're dealing with some pretty hefty things here. Right. And he's no biologist or anthropologist. He, he knows what he knows. Uh, but I, I, do, I do like in verse 18, God's like, hey, Declare, if you know all this, and in verse 21, you know, for you were born then, weren't you, Job? <laughs> and the number of your days is pretty great. I mean, I could just hear God kind of mocking. So I, that gave me this, this realization. Fatherly sarcasm has a place in the, in the family go, of God. So there you're go. welcome, dads. There is a time for it. The use of irony and mockery to convey some kind of contempt. I think there's a place for that because clearly God's using that right here. Right, totally. And he's saying, look, if you, if you can't understand the simpler matter, simpler, simpler in light of the contrast here, how are you ever going to know the deeper matters of God himself? Right. And that, that's what he's trying to get at here. Has the rain a father who's begotten the drops of dew for whom's, who, from whose womb did the ice come forth? There's hockey right there. Huh. We're talking about ice. That's what he meant by yeah. that. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, yeah. The waters become hard like stone. The face of the deep is frozen. I, I was fascinated by verses 31 through 33. He's talking about outer space here in constellations and clearly implying that there was a, a knowledge of these constellations even back here, the Pleiades or Orion, uh, Maseroth, which was probably the the... the a word ref- referencing the, the constellations um, or a specific constellation, depending the bear with its children, Ursula major there. Do you know the ordinances of the heavens? Can you establish their rule on earth? I mean, just the, the, the majesty of, of, of a starry sky. If you've ever been out at night in away from the, the light pollution and you look up and you just see the stars in the sky and you just think, wow, that's amazing. And God's going, Hey Job, where were you? Where, did you, are you responsible for this? Do you cause them to come out at night? Oh no, that's right. You don't. Oh, you don't. Weird. Right. Yeah. One of the benefits of COVID is that a lot of people started buying telescopes and looking into the night sky because that's what you can do with it. Did you do that? I tried. I did buy one. The one I wanted was constantly sold out. And so I had to stick with this cheapy one that ended up not working that well. So I sent it back, but I did love uh, peering at the night sky with my kids and yeah. we got to see things that were thousands of miles away. I mean, just unfathomably large distances that God made yeah. and he transcends all of that. He doesn't have to stretch to reach to the moon. Right. God's everywhere. Amazing. Right. My favorite is the iPhone app now that you can open up and point at the sky to tell you yes. what the constellations are up there. I love that. It, One of my favorite apps. Except it. It like puts the iPhone between you, you and creation. Yeah, you do, but you, you put it down. You use it to orient, and then you put it down, and then you look. But then right. looking at the screen does kind of mess with your eyes. Yeah, a little bit. 
versus 34 and following. How about weather? Are you able to control the weather? Can you can bring the rain? Um, mm. And then he gets in, in, in verse 39, and this really launches into chapter 39 as well, dealing with the animals and the yeah. animal kingdom. That's right. Um, so a little bit of a, an odd chapter break here. You should have put 39 at verse 39. Totally. Yeah. 39 verse 1 should be 38 verse 39. That's so right. if you're confused by that, great. Join the, join the party. But he's going through the animal kingdom and now he's starting to go, okay, let's get out of the physical creation and, and now let's get into the, the, the animal creation, the, the creation of life. Um, do, were you present? Do you know? Uh, can you hunt prey for the lion? Do you know when mountain mountain goats give birth, Pastor Rod? Do you know when mountain goats give birth? Um, after, yes, after the mommy mountain goat and the daddy <laughs> mountain goat. You know. There you go. They, have, there you they go. do stuff. We'll have Pastor Rod teach a lesson on that later. <laughs> The calving of the does, the wild donkey in verse five, right? Who has let the wild donkey go free? He scorns the tumult of the city. He hears not the shouts of the driver. In other words, who's overseeing and and governing over the wild animals that can't even be tamed Hmm. right now? Um, the wild ox is, is the wild ox willing to serve you? No. Well, who's brought it about? Who's the creator of it? The ostrich. That's my favorite. The ostrich. What a goofy bird. I have a question for you about the ostrich. Yeah. You ready for this one? Uh It's going to challenge you. Okay. Okay. So I read about the ostrich and I thought, why would God make a creature that apparently has some pretty significant shortcomings? One might even call them deficiencies. How does God in his perfection make an ostrich? Or why would he do that? He says in verse 15, forgetting that a foot may crush her prey, or not her prey, her, her eggs. Um, she deals cruelly with her young as if they were not hers. Though her labor be in vain, yet she has no fear. God made her forget wisdom. Explain the ostrich in the economy of God. Well, I think we could do the same thing with the, the ant that's in our backyard to well, go, the, okay. The ant is awesome though. Well, in some regards, but on the other hand, Does it's like you cannibalize itself. Well, or it crawls into my house and I think you're not the most intelligent creature because I'm going to kill you now. Right. It's I think we're dealing with with looking at these animals and the effect of the fall on the animal kingdom and created world as well. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Like, I mean, the ostrich lays its egg on the ground and a foot could crush the egg, but I, I don't think the foot is going to crush the egg, at least not intentionally prior to the fall. Um and, and it's not going to need the, the wings to fly and, and escape from prey prior to the fall. But God designed it to run with a, an, an immense amount of speed. In fact, one of my favorite stories about animals has to do with an ostrich here in Texas. Because I went down in high school to a, a friend's grandpa's house who lived on one of those like wild animal hunting ground areas where they bring in exotic animals from Africa because wow. our climate is kind of the same out here. Wow. Um, yeah. I didn't hunt any, but, uh, we were hanging out and all of a sudden my friend comes booking it down the, the road and there's an ostrich chasing him down the road. That's awesome. And it was cool. Yeah. Did the ostrich catch him? He didn't cause he, he, he ran, it was pretty quick. I mean, it, wow. the ostrich was like a hundred yards behind him and he was able to get to the house before the ostrich yeah, caught him. They run pretty fast. Yeah. No, no, no. But it was, it was, it was humorous. Not for him, but for the rest of us. <laughs> um, but yeah, the ostrich, the horse. Do you give the horse its might? Do you clothe its neck with a mane? Pastor, do you like horse movies like Seabiscuit, those things? I, I do. Do you? I really do. It's another difference between us. I would rather watch paint dry than watch a horse movie. Oh, you're not watching the best horse movies then. No, I'm, I'm, I <laughs> just, I have no, but anyways, horses are amazing. If you've ever ridden a horse, the power yes. that you feel under you while you're riding on Terrifying. top of that horse. Terrifying. Oh my goodness. So much so. Who, you know, who controls this horse, the hawk, the eagle, right? And, and what's God's point in all this again is Job, you're darkening counsel without knowledge. You don't know. And if you can't understand these things, how do you presume to understand me? Yeah. One of the things I, I took away from this chapter is you, I mean, 
humans do a really good job taming a lot of animals, but there are still animals that are untamable. There's wild animals that their wild natural instincts will kick in. They're just not ever safe. You can't tame wild animals, Joe. How much more can you tame the God who made them? You can't compartmentalize God. You can't simplify God or at least oversimplify him. You would do damage to yourself and to others if you try to treat God like some kind of mathematical equation that you can understand without any complexity or difficulty. See, that's an fortiori argument that you just made there. Yes. If you can't tame these animals, how can you tame uh, God? Is, is really an SH in that word? Uh, fortiori? 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 I've heard it both ways. I, I don't know. You're going to look way. it up right now, I'm aren't you? I'm not looking at it. No, Actively? I'm going to the next. I'm going to Acts 15 if okay. you want to know. That's where I'm going. <laughs> all right. Why don't we all go to Acts 15? <laughs> Acts 15, like I talked about yesterday, we've got this, uh, I guess, problem, a dilemma at at, at at least where a fair question. Yeah. You've got uh, a bunch of Jewish Christians, which at this point in time, the church is largely Jewish. The, the church is not what we know the church to be today. The church is largely made up of people that are Jews that have found the Messiah and they believe that Jesus is the, is the Messiah. In fact, at one point they say that there's, there's some from the party of the Pharisees um, that are believers in verse five. So that's right. how Jewish things still are within the church is there are people that are still part of the Jewish Sanhedrin that are saying, yeah, but we know that Jesus is the Messiah. They're, they're the Pharisees. Um, this is this is a problem because now you've got Gentiles entering into the chat, so to speak, and these Gentiles, as they're wanting especially to have table fellowship and just fellowship in general with the Jews, have a different understanding of the Mosaic law. Mm-hmm. And they're also not circumcised. That was a massive key component of the Mosaic law as well. What do we do with them? They're, they're not, they don't have the covenant sign of the Old Testament, right? Of the Mosaic covenant there. What do we do with these people? At first, the council is we need to have them circumcised. And uh, some of the men came down and and advised that according to the custom of Moses. You go back to Exodus chapter 12, verse 48. It talks about those sojourners or or foreigners that weren't part of Israel coming into the people of God to observe the Passover and to become part of the people of God. And they were to be circumcised as a part of that process. So the the process for proselytes in the Old Testament was you take the, the, the convert and you bring them through the act of circumcision. So that's what they're operating on under here. They're thinking we should do this because that's what we always have done. And I, I think this is a this is a helpful thing to wrestle with. You know, we take for granted we don't circumcise our people for the sake of the law of God. But remember, this happened all the way back in Genesis 17. This is part of what it means to be part of the Abrahamic covenant, to be part of his family right. was to bear the physical marking. So for you and I, maybe today, we don't feel the weight of this. But for the early church, this was a serious consideration. And I'm glad, for, for one, that we don't have to do that any longer. But it was a, a really difficult conversation. Right, right. Chapter 15 continues on verses six and following that the, basically what happens is that we, we need counsel on this. We, we need to get together and figure out what's going on. So they went to Jerusalem and the reason they go to Jerusalem is because this is the capital, so to speak, of the early church. This is where you remember in Acts chapter one, eight, you're going to be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth, but it started there in Jerusalem. And so this is the hub. James, it appears, the the half-brother of Jesus is overseeing all of this. Right. He's the one that's there. And so they're kind of looking to him as the spokesperson, but everybody's gathered together to try to figure out what to do. And after they meet together and after they gather together, Peter stands up and it's, it's the last that we see of Peter here in the book of Acts. And he says in verse 10, something that's very insightful. He says, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? That yoke was 
the law, the law. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. O- obedience to the Mosaic law. And that's what Peter is saying. You're asking them to go back and resubmit themselves to obedience to the Mosaic law. We haven't been able to do that. Our forefathers weren't able to do that. And in fact, that's what Christ came to redeem us from is the curse of the law. Mm-hmm. So why are we going back then when he goes on verse 11, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Wow. Just as they will. Ooh, no baptism involved, Pastor PJ? No baptism. Wow. No baptism there, right? It's like salvation by grace through faith. Right. Amazing. Right. The assembly falls silent and they, they consider this. They listen to Barnabas then and Paul as they talk about what they've experienced out on the mission field and what they've seen and the spirit descending on the Gentiles. And then James stands up and he says, Simeon. It's interesting. He uses Peter's name as Simeon there. I thought that was weird. Peter. Was like, What's he trying to do with that? I think there's only t- twice in the New Testament that he's called Simeon. I think it's here. And then I think it's in one of the, the epistles, the first or second Peter. I can't remember which one exactly. Yeah, Peter identifies himself that way. Interesting. But James stands up and he quotes from Amos 9, 11, and 12. And again, it's the, it's the Septuagint translation here. It's going to look different. Yeah. So it's going to look different. If you go back in your ESV, it's not going to look the same, but the concept is the same. He's grabbing this quote from Amos saying, look, in the Old Testament, Israel, ancient Israel was intended to be a a missiological nation. They were intended to be missional. They, They were intended to take the knowledge of God to the nations. They didn't do that. And so James is basically saying now the church is stepping up and, and is doing that. And we're seeing that realized before it's our very fulfilled. eyes, right. right? That the, it's now getting to the Gentiles who are called by the name of God. Therefore, he says, look, let's, we, we do need to rule on this because the, we need to give some instruction on how Jews and Gentiles should operate together under the banner of Christ. And so that's what they provide there towards the end of, of our section in Acts chapter 15. Right. Right. <laughs> so, um, nothing to add to that. Okay, great. Awesome. So what do we take away from this? I, I, I do think it's just an encouraging reminder to us that we need to be careful for ourselves and for others, not to do what Peter says there and not to put the yoke of any sort of legalistic requirement on ourselves or on an, an unbeliever, especially an unbeliever or on a new believer to, to think this is how you get right with God by obeying this or that. It's such a natural kind of gravitational pull for ourselves though. I think all of us naturally have this, this desire to say, okay, can I check the box? Can I know that I'm right with God? If I just do these three things, if I read my Bible every day, I pray for 15 minutes and I go to church there, that natural desire to justify ourselves through our works, I think is kind of been there since the beginning of human history. But the encouraging part about this is, is that we have a relationship with God by grace through faith. It's not dependent upon our works. The works will come as a natural consequence to our relationship, but they are not the foundation of that relationship. Don't mess that up in your mind. For sure. For sure. And we are so thankful for that too, because there's none who's righteous and they're not one, right? That's right. Well, hey, we are grateful for you guys tuning in for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for yet another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See you tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.